Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Kathy Close Guest, who is a storytelling strategist, author, speaker, and comedian. She's the founder of Keeping a Human, where her mission is to help organizations and teams turn jargon monoxide into compelling business stories, to abolish boring marketing and uncover bold ideas for marketing content, products, brandings, and more, and she calls them idea orgasms. So we're going to have fun today. She's a podcaster, a stand-up comic, and improviser, uh, she's written two short books on humor, content, and storytelling, and she's just released Stop Boring Me, How to Create Kick-Ass Marketing Content, Products, and Ideas Through the Power of Improv. Her work has been published in Convince and Convert, The Business of Story, Marketing Profs, Reagan.com, PR Daily, Business to Community, and Customer Things. So welcome, Kathy. Hey, Linda. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about, first of all, you've, um, you know, you, you've combined these two sort of different disciplines, uh, which is doing marketing and the comedian and improv thing. How did that sort of happen? What came first? Were you a comedian first? Were you a marketer first? You know, that's so funny. And, and you know, I had, to, I had to think back about it because for so long they've sort of uh, they've been intermingled in my world. And the reality was is I started out in marketing, so my job was – marketing during the day and then in the evening and weekends I was hitting stages I was doing stand-up and then improv and I studied sketch at Second City in Hollywood so I know how to write characters and I was doing all this stuff on parallel paths and then about eight years ago I said this is nuts I learned more about storytelling and content and how to walk people through a great narrative arc on the stage, more there than I ever learned in branding and in marketing departments in high tech where I was making my bread and butter. And I thought, you know what? These two are not that different because the heart of great comedy is the truth. The heart and soul of great business storytelling is the truth. So these things are not that different. So I started a process of trying to combine my worlds, but I think the short answer is I was sort of parallel pathing it until I sort of had this idea, and I went, this is silly. This would make this thing over here better. And that's how uh, it was born. Kind of the uh, the chicken and the egg coming together, <laughs> which came first. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So why did, you, why did you write the book? What made you decide to write the book? You know, I wanted to demystify it for people. A lot of people think that improv is comedy, and it is to a degree. So part of improv is about finding the funny. It, it certainly is. But improv is so much more. Improv is about how to collaborate with other people and create great content. It's about how improvisers on a stage in real time are able to tell a story completely spontaneously. How, how do they do that? Well, there's, there's rules of engagement, and there's, there's ways that they, they are more creative. And I thought anybody, anybody can learn from these rules, and anybody can be better. And I thought, you know, I want to take some of the, the sort of the, the mystery and the, oh, my gosh, I can't do that kind of factor out of it and remind people in this book that, A, everybody's creative. B, everybody's playful. 
see if everybody would be more playful, they'd be more creative. And I just wanted people to have a guidepost to take all that fear and that anxiety out of it and to remind people that they can, in fact, do this. So tell me about an idea orgasm, which sounds wonderful, but <laughs> what exactly is an idea orgasm, and where do I go get them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll have more of what she's having. Yeah, right, exactly. 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 <laughs> well, the, the idea of an idea orgasm sort of, it, it's sort of that, um, it's what I call that moment where, that you know that aha moment yep. where all of a sudden everything collides and you're like, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what the next step is. That's what I should be working on. And it's that moment where you just, everything, sort of the light bulb goes on. And I thought that's the best way I know of to describe um, ideas, that aha moment. Um, So that's what that is. And we can always have, all of us have idea orgasms. We just have to be able to, I think, think a little differently about the way we're coming up with ideas. And I think we all get in a rut, myself included, and Improv can help us see things differently. If we come at things differently, we're going to see new things. So I think improv is really, really amazing at helping people have idea orgasms, and we should all have more idea orgasms. (laughs) I love it. I love it. At least one a day, sometimes two. More. (laughs) More than that. Great. So how do you go into an organization that thinks they're doing a good job, but they're being very serious, and how do you get them to kind of lighten up and do improv and do this? What what are the kind of um, telltale signs that an organization's ready for this? I think an organization is ready for it. I can, I can sort of from the outside uh, looking in, I can tell when, A, they don't take themselves too seriously. They take what they do seriously, but they have a sense of humor. As an organization, yep. they value people, and they value humor. That tells me, aha, they're open. It's a signal to me of their openness. And it's not about being a funny organization. It's about saying, you know what? We understand that we're imperfect and we make mistakes. And we also know that being imperfect is what makes us human and real and relatable. So when I see that in an organization and I see it practiced, not on a, not on a T-shirt or on a, a mug or, you know what I mean, none of the right. Gilbert stuff, but I mean really practiced in the, in the corporate um, culture, then I go, you know what, that's an organization that is probably a really great candidate because they value the things that improvisers value. So you talk about in your book, you talk about embracing imperfection. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, being here in Silicon Valley, we don't want to be imperfect. We want to get out there and we want to change the world. So how do you help your clients embrace perf- imperfection? How can we do that ourselves to, to make our, our lives better by being more imperfect? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it really starts, it's such a great question, because you're right, I mean, Silicon Valley is sort of synonymous with, um, you know, uh, A-plus personality type. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't know how to relax, and I say that as sort of a little bit of a, a, a type A in recovery. I think I'm a type A-minus at this point now. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a B-plus, but I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know. I think it really comes down to this. Um, when, you, when you help people understand the source of their strengths, which is their playfulness, and that it can be seen as a strength and make you more relatable, I think it changes people's outlooks. I, I, I have worked with, um, and I know you've seen this too, I'm sure, in your work. I've worked with executives and teams where really high-performing, maybe a little too serious, and I think there's something about when 
everybody in the team sees the organizational leader laugh at himself or herself, be willing to admit their imperfections, all of a sudden that person, their stock goes way up because we go, okay, they're aware of their own humanity and I can be myself around them and it's okay. And they understand that that's what makes them a relatable leader. So it starts with getting people to just understand that when you admit your imperfection and you do the best you can, nobody expects you to be perfect, you, you become so much more relatable. And I think that's what we all want. So if we really yep. want relatability, then admitting your imperfections, embracing it, is your source of strength. It makes you, makes you better. So without getting too political here, I think that uh, Barack Obama over the last eight years has gotten good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's been able to make fun of himself, even talk about his, you know, the fact that people think he has a Kenyan uh, birth certificate or you know, the uh, Affordable Care Act didn't go as, as expected or things of that nature. And our president-elect perhaps might need to do a little bit more of this? I think you nailed it. I mean, I, I think one of the things I'm always in awe of with Obama is his ability to have moments of levity and to poke fun at himself. Yep. He is he's such an and that to me makes him all the more relatable. And that's to me he's the chief inspiration officer because I relate to him and he's such a great communicator because he knows when to lighten up. And I think that's something that every leader, yes, the president elect could could learn from that. I think every leader who thinks that um who's afraid to let that guard down, I think I, I only wish that they would understand that when you are able to be self-aware, admit your shortcomings, poke fun at it, people go, you know what, that person's all right. And it, it just makes you that much more likable. Yep. No, I agree. Absolutely. So how, how can um, an organization start to implement some of these things? I mean, certainly reading your book, et cetera, but where would you say we would start if we said, hey, this sounds great, we'd love to have more of this, in our daily work and in, if we're marketers in what we do to, um, to actually market our products and services, where do we start? How do we get going? Um, that's a really good question. And I think that I would say um, start small. If, if it's something new for your organization, one thing you can do is I believe in, in, cre- in creating these teams, these ad hoc agile teams. I believe in agile development. So I'm going to get a little nerdy here for a second. And Agile just means um, rule out an idea quickly, fail quickly, do rapid prototyping, see if there's any merit, and then scale the idea, invest in the idea if it actually works. So right. I'd say put together a team of people, make sure that team of people is really diverse in terms of backgrounds, um, points of view, experiences, because you'll get, a, you'll get a nice diverse mix. And then have them work on different projects and generate different ideas and, and make it okay for them to experiment and, and that there isn't failure. You don't scale anything until you know sort of you have an idea, but you encourage them to go out there and try small, fail small, and then scale and make it okay. I think the way that you encourage people to take these kinds of little risks is you've got to make sure that the culture, you know, embraces um, those things. So it's got to be modeled. And I think if you if you make it okay as a leader for your team, hey, part of your your goals is you're going to go out there and you're going to create some content. You're going to get proof of concept, 
And if it works and people like the idea, let's consider putting some resources behind that idea. Make it okay. And I think that's the right way to frame it. Got it. Now, I, I want to ask you one thing. You talk about safe being risky. Uh, why? I mean, that's sort of kind of one of those oxymorons where you're going, wait a minute, safe is safe and risky is risky? Why is safe risky, and how can we not be so risky by being safe? <laughs> you know, it's true. Um, I think we all get content um, at risk averse with our content, and it's it's a it's a problem and a mindset that, especially in Silicon Valley, where everybody is high functioning and high performing, and we we're looking for the formula, we're looking for the uh, replicable model, if you will. We want to be able to take what we've done and keep doing it, and 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 which is ironic because we're in the heart and soul of of innovation centers, the innovation capital of the world. Yet we're afraid to take certain risks with marketing. So it's it's an it's an oxymoron in and of itself. And I think the reality is is if we never take risks to see what else could work, our marketing will sound like everybody else's marketing. And so yep. you're playing it safe, your competitors are playing it safe, everybody's playing it safe. Now you're not going to risk anything. You're probably not going to um you know uh have any big failures, but you're not going to get a lot of people reading your stuff cuz it's going to sound like everybody else's. So where's where's the innovation in that? That's, that's so, right. You're absolutely right. In my book, Marketing Above the Noise, I talk about this. Sometimes you've got to zig when everybody else is zagging. Totally. Because we don't want to have another zag. <laughs> we no, wanna, exactly. Yeah, the, the nth company saying the same thing. You've got to say something different. You've got to get heard above the noise by doing something that other people aren't doing. Absolutely. You have, you have to. And I, and I think what's hard, and I'm sure you see it too in your work, it's Everybody buys into the platitude. Everyone's like, yeah, you're right. You know, you're, you're right. Sameness is risky because then you can't pick your content voice out of a lineup because it's like Mad Libs. Take out the name of the company and it's with it all – It all sounds the, the same, yep. It all sounds the same. The, the issue then becomes is I think we talk about it. We all know it. But for such a group of high achievers who are willing to take technology risks, we sure are afraid to do that with marketing. And I think it's about making sure that people understand that small risks are going to be rewarded, and it's okay. And again, that starts really with culture, and, and it, at least in your team, if you can make it safe in your team to take the small risks. Um, you know, Intuit many years ago used to have these um, parties, and what they would do is every time they failed with a, a launch, a product launch, instead of um, you know having a serious postmortem, which they would, they would celebrate the lessons they learned. And they would throw a party because they'd say, you know what? Okay, here's what we learned. So they would reframe the failure into something positive. And that, I think that type of environment encourages your employees to actually go do it. That's great. So do you have any other examples of companies that, that we can discuss that are, that are going out and not being safe, that are doing things a little risky and, and succeeding with that? I do. I think that um, one of my favorite examples was Marketo. Marketo um, yep. is a big company. They create enterprise software. Probably everybody in, the, in Silicon Valley has heard of them and maybe outside as well. And one of the things I really love, and I happen to know some of the marketing folks over there, but what I really loved is that um, they did something a couple of years ago. They created a downloadable adult work uh, coloring book. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people went, what, what are you doing? What, what do you mean an adult coloring book? And they said, look, <laughs> look, people are bored. They're bored out of their minds. It's the same old stuff. 
let's just make this fun. Well, it ended up that that coloring book was downloaded almost almost a million times. Wow. And it generated 20% of their leads for a year. I mean, it had this huge bump up in qualified leads. So it actually was a lead gen piece for them that actually worked. And why did it work? Because it was unlike anything out there that the competition was doing. Um, and it worked. Now, we could also probably find a lot of examples that maybe weren't executed well, but that's one that did. And I think it's okay to think a little differently about these assumptions, challenge the assumptions that nobody wants an adult coloring book. Well, yeah, actually they do because they're bored. <laughs> yeah. It's different. Why not? Why not? Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite banks um, is in the Pacific Northwest, and they're called Umpqua. Um, okay. M-P-Q-U-A. And I'll tell you why I love them, Linda, because they get that, like nobody wants to be banking. I don't want to hear a bunch of commercials about banking this, banking that. I really don't care. No no banking customer is excited about banking. I don't right. care. It just doesn't happen. So they know that. So what do they do in all their marketing materials, their commercials, their videos? They're, they know that you'd rather be somewhere else. So their videos are hilarious, and you get a sense for the fact that this bank thinks differently. And so every time I hear somebody say, well, we're in a conservative industry. We can't do that. I'm like, really? Want to make, make a bet? I challenge that. You know, look at Marketo. Look at Empqua. Look at these conservative, you know, enterprise industries or conservative traditional financial industries that are taking a risk and doing something different. And oh, look at the Geico Gecko, right? Yes. Until, until Geico came along with the Gecko and their absurd commercials, insurance marketing was, was pretty boring. <laughs> Now everybody's trying to keep up. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think they set the gold standard. That's the, that's a really great point. I think they set the gold standard. Everybody looks at at uh, uh, at Geico, and now I think um, we'll see Affleck Duck all over again. Every, right. They absolutely. Standard. They set the standard. Yep. Absolutely. So if people wanted to find out more about you and your book. Where would they go? Um, they can go to stopboringme.com, and it's got some information about the book. Um, and you can actually go to Amazon, and I believe there's a uh, you can search uh, parts of the book, and uh, there are parts that you'll be able to take a look at. Um, you can uh, uh, sign up for my free newsletter. I've got little excerpts from the books and, and, and goodies that you can get your hands on and that kind of good stuff. Excellent. Good. So we've been talking with, uh, with Kathy Close Guest, who's the author of Stop Boring Me, How to Create Kick-Ass Marketing Content, Products and ideas through the power of improv. Kathy, any last thoughts you want to leave us with? You know, I really um, want people to understand that everybody's creative, everybody is playful, and the only difference I really think between companies that are doing it and companies that are thinking about it is that they are willing to take these risks to be more playful. And Every company, no matter what your product is, you can have a boring, boring, boring product or be in a boring industry, but the way that you talk to your users about that product doesn't have to be boring. That's a choice. Boring is a choice, not a requirement. And I really, really believe that. And that means everybody, every industry can be less boring. And I think this book has tips and fun ways, and you don't have to be an improviser, and you don't have to be funny to be less boring. Got it. Sounds good. Thanks so much. We've been here with Kathy Close Guest. Again, she's the author of Stop Boring Me, 
which is a fun book, and uh, and it's all about putting more fun and playfulness and creativity into your organization, into your marketing. So thank you, Kathy. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.